there's nothing better when you're traveling to do things that are a bit off the beaten track. You know, not just follow where everyone else is going. It's, it's always good to be a bit contrarian. And I think that the thinking that we've taken from being contrarian, you know, I've definitely adapted that into how I think and how I do things, you know, nowadays. So going into Chile, we knew where we had to end up. There was no debating. We knew we had to end up in Santiago because that's where we were going to fly to Easter Island from. Yeah, that is pretty much the only place you could fly to Easter Island from. So we knew we had to be in Santiago on a certain date, about the 23rd of December, if memory serves correctly. We knew we had to be there for that date. That was the day we were flying. But where would we go in Chile? Now, Chile is well known for being quite expensive. Now, when I say quite expensive, there are two things here. Number one, in comparison to most of Latin America, Chile is very expensive. And secondly, even for, you know, regular at the time, you know, just being regular people from the UK, still, actually, Chile was relatively expensive. Um, not as expensive as the UK, but certainly not, you know, cheap. And I do that in, you know, the bunny years. Not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. There's nothing to take away from the country. It is a lovely country with cracking history and loads of things to see and do. Again, go back to what we said many a times. When we're working on a budget, we want to be as cheap and cheerful as possible. We're not really taking into consideration time. For us at the time, it's all about how cost-effective can we make such trips? How cost-effective can we be? Now, some of the cheapest combination we found was on the island of uh, Isla Grande de Chiloe, which is just south of Puerto Montt which is in the south of Chile. It's just over the border from San Carlos de Bariloche. Now, the, the Lonely Planet said that Puerto Montt was a very good place. Also, the Puerto Varas was uh, you know, a decent place as well. But we decided, if we're going to spend some time, let's go into a complete sort of bizarre part of, of Chile. Let's go to this island and see what we can find. So we booked some accommodation. Uh, we decided to stay in a place called Ancud, uh, which is in the top part of the island. We decided to base ourselves there for four or five nights. We'll get there, we'll see what we can do, whatever. The journey from San Carlos to Bariloche was good fun. I think we ended up in, um, can't actually remember the place, it was either Puerto Varas or uh, Puerto Mont. Um, we stopped in the bus station for about 20 minutes, then got a bus, or in effect, what was a little collectivo, uh, down to Anchored, which was also good fun because you get to go over the, I don't think there's a word for it, but. Uh, you know, like the Strait of Chiloe, I imagine. Uh, basically, you get off the bus, you get on a boat, the boat takes you across to the island, you get back on the bus, one of those things. And that crossing itself was about 45, 50 minutes. Uh, it was great, it was miserable. You know, we were getting used to this in, in the southern part of uh, South America, grey and miserable. We got to Ancud, and we ended up staying in this um, wonderful little homestay place uh, just in the uh, top end of town. And we were looking for things to do. We had an idea of what we could do um, on the, in the Lonely Planet Guide, but it just so happens that the family we were staying with, one of their sons was a tour guide. We wouldn't have predicted that from the start, and that made for a very cool experience on the island. The first day when we got up, we took a tour, and we went to see some uh, rare penguins. I forget the name, and I forget exactly where they were. It might, it might be near the uh, Isla Cochinos in the north of the island, possibly. I forget. But there were some really rare penguins. And we picked up these three girls from this different um, homestay who were absolutely cracking people. And we had a boat tour for the day. 
We saw all these funky little penguins. Uh, went to a vet, some various museums as well. You know, we're driving around in this big, you know, sort of four by four, just going through the countryside. It, it reminded us a bit of Northern Uruguay, you know, very picturesque, a little bit barren in places. It, it just not a lot going on, but in a very good way. You, you almost felt like you were, without sounding too nansy-pansy about it, you almost felt like you were at one with the world going around the island. The penguins are fantastic. Uh, we also saw uh, an otter carrying a crab. Uh, again, Instagram photos, go and check them out. You know, some of the photos Aaron got uh, from the trips were undeniably fantastic. So little things like that, just seeing nature at its finest. We got on well with the girls. Uh, we found out that they were based up in Santiago. So we you know, swapped numbers, said we'd meet them at a later date because we were heading up there. And then we went on our own ways. The second day in in Anchored when we were basing ourselves, we'd been told, or in fact, the tour guide had told us about it, and also the girls that we'd met had told us about it, said that you can go to the um, Huele de la Luz, which is it's almost like a, a pier. Um, I think it's called Pier of the Sun, something along those lines is the English translation. And it is in a place called Chepel, on the real Chepel. And this is right on the Pacific Ocean, uh, by the way. Bear in mind, only a few days before, you know, we'd been at the south atlantic ocean you know you know possibly looking at the south pacific ocean that's pretty cool so we were told about this and so the best place to, or the easiest thing to do you know get a rent a car go down and do that and you know happy days basically well we decided again us being us at the time didn't want to rent a car didn't want to do that at all but we were also told that there was a collectivo that could take you to the little hamlet as such of Chepel, and you could then walk pretty much down to the ocean. Now you wouldn't be the right side of the river, uh, the Rio Chepel that divides it, you wouldn't be the right side of the river, but you could still, you know, you could end up at the Pacific Ocean and, and see all that sort of stuff, you know, happy days. So we decided to do that. We love Collectivos, and the tour guide specifically said to us, he said, lads, if you go to Chepel, it's a great place, but bear in mind, Okay, there is, effectively, there's one Collectivo service a day. Okay, he said there's one at seven o'clock in the morning, which is the one you're going to want to take. And there's one at about, you know, there's one at seven o'clock in the morning. But when you're coming back from Chepel, it's a, it is half past four. He said, if you miss that, you're unlucky because you've got a very long walk. Now, in order to get from Ankur to Chepel, it's actually quite a straightforward journey. You go down the, um, the Pan American Highway, the longest road in the world. You go down the Pan American Highway, you turn off at some point and head towards Chepel. And then next thing you know, funnily enough, you're in Chepel. And we got up early in the morning. We'd, le we'd learned our lessons from before. We were provisioned. We had drinks on us. You know, we were prepared. Went down to the street corner, as you do, because that's where we were told to collect the, the Collectivo. Seven o'clock came, nothing. Five past seven came, nothing. It's cold, it's dark, not a lot going on. And they said to Aaron, look, I said, if it doesn't turn up in the next few minutes, I'm going back to bed. You know, this is, this is daft. No sooner heard I finished those words, guess what turned up? Yes, the little collectivo there uh, that said Chepel uh, turned up. Uh, we paid our fare, it's about a pound. And that was it. We bumbled through the Pan American Highway, bumbled through the countryside, uh, ended up in Chepel. Now, when I say there was nothing there, quite literally there was nothing there at all. Naffle. Yeah, up early in the morning, get there about eight o'clock. It's picturesque. You know, you're looking across the real Chepel. It's, it's desolate, there, there isn't anything going on. 
it's picturesque, it's quiet, it, all, all the superlatives you want to throw it. We had no map, we had no idea where we were going, but it was pretty obvious. If you look south, it was the Rio Chebel, not able to cross that, there's no bridge. So you had to follow the road around, we knew where we just come from, you're not able to go north, so there's only one direction you're gonna go anyway. So we said, well, it's eight o'clock, we've got eight and a half hours, let's go walking. And <laughs> that's exactly what we've done. Uh, we ended up, it was a very, very, very long day. Uh, it was a great day, absolutely wonderful. Finally, after much meandering, uh, we ended up over fields, on the sands, you name it, we saw it. And we ended up on the, on the Pacific Ocean. We saw the Pacific Ocean. Incredible, absolutely incredible. The ferocity of the waves was like nothing we'd ever heard before. And you could quite literally hear it a mile off without a shadow of a doubt. It was thunderous were the waves of the Pacific. If you check out the Instagram photos uh, to this day, we still don't know where the big sandwich came from that I was eating. We still had no idea. We don't remember packing sandwiches on Bogadios. I also don't remember buying anything. Absolutely nothing. Do not know where that came from at all. But big, massive sandwich. Also, by this time, I developed a, a big hole in my walking boots. Uh, so I ended up covering uh, one of the boots with a few plastic bags. Didn't want to get my shoe repaired or, or replaced. So I ended up getting a lot of sand in my shoes that day as well, uh, much to the delight of Aaron, definitely not myself. It was a very good day. A lot of walking. We didn't realise it at the time, but we'd got incredibly windburnt without a shadow of a doubt. And we slowly made our way back to the little hamlet of Chepel. Eyes on the time. It's about four o'clock. So we're a bit early, but it's about four o'clock. And we sat there. Got chatting to a couple of locals. Not a lot going on. We were waiting for the bus. Can't really go wrong with a bus because you knew that it was going to come in from the same road it was going out on. So, you know, you're pretty much... There wasn't this case of it was coming from a different part of town and, you know, you don't know if you've missed it or not. You, you kind of know that you weren't going to miss the, the, the Collectivo as such because it was coming down the road, turning around and going back the other way. Got to half four, nothing happening. Hadn't even turned up. Quarter five, nothing. Now, this stage, it was getting a bit, a little bit panicky because you've got, I don't know, maybe five, six kilometres to get back to the main road five or six kilometers to get back to the main road. And then even from there, if you're lucky enough to get uh, another Collectivo, it's still a long distance to get back to Anchored. And it was gonna get dark soon. And the roads, as you imagine, for that part of the world, it's certainly where we were in this little tiny place that not well lit. So it's a bit it was getting a bit dangerous. It's about quarter to five. So not looking good. Five o'clock turned up. Again, nothing. So we decided at this point, you've been walking all day, we're yeah, a bit tired. We're thinking, fuck it. We've got to make. We've got to make a start. We've we've got to walk back. You know, if, if the collectivo hasn't turned up or is not going to turn up, we're screwed. We're nowhere to stay. Whatever. So we started walking up the road. About five minutes later, bear in mind we've gone from pretty much frowns and you know f this and f that. Heard this rumble in the distance. Kind of looked at each other. Like, I think that's a collectivo. You know. He's like, hmm. Sounds like it. Yeah, I think, that's, I, I think that sounds like Collectivo, but let's keep walking, because you never know. Could be a tractor. Kept walking. About two minutes later, we were at the bottom of a little hill, and out of the top of the hill, this Collectivo appears. Now, I have a feeling at that time, bear in mind this has happened in Paraguay. Bear in mind this has happened in a couple of other places. I'm pretty sure we must have both had a tear in our eye when that Collectivo turned up. 
it honked at us. We waved it. It honked at us. We were that tired. <laughs> what we done? We flagged it down, and we got on. We got on the Collectivo and drove it back into Chepel itself. Stayed on the bus as it turned round, and then went straight back off up into Anchorage. We didn't know if to laugh or cry. I think we both had a good nap on the on the Collectivo as well. We were there for about an hour. We popped off back into into the town. And it'd been a long day, been up very early, we hadn't eaten a lot. So we're a bit, we're a bit Hank Marvin here, a bit hungry. And there's a dish in chili called salad chipapas. It's basically cut up sausages, chips, uh, you know, a bunch of sauces on a plate and you eat it. Now we got into this little restaurant or fast food joint, whatever you want to call it. And number one, this is when we realised that we were completely burnt. We'd got wind burn, really bad wind burn. We both look like... Uh, a bunch of sunburned penguins, I imagine. Didn't look very good at all. And we walked up to the bar and uh, we said to the lady, uh, you know, Sajibaba's Papa's And she said, well, which size? And we said, you know, muy grande, you know, parados, you know, because there was an option for a big Sajibaba's for two people. And she took one look at us, took one look at us. And this is at a time where, you know, again, Aaron and I are big guys, but at the time we weren't, or certainly I wasn't, you know, um, you know, the, rugby build, should we say. She took one look at us, didn't quite believe that we could polish it off and said, basically, are you sure? This is very big, about six or seven pounds. This is a very big plate of food. I'm not sure you two would be able to finish it off. And we said, trust me or trust us. It's fine. Thank you, but we'll finish it off. Sat down at the table, ordered the drinks, like Coca-Cola or something. And this massive plate of salchipapas turned up. I mean, huge, almost covering the table. Absolutely ginormous. So the salchipapas were there. Aaron's looking at it. I'm looking at it. Now, salchipapas can't talk, but I'm sure they must have been looking at us thinking, oh dear, this isn't good. About 15 minutes later, it was gone. The waitress came back in sheer amazement when she came to pick up the plate. Not necessarily the fact, well, two things. Number one, we finished it. But number two, probably the, the time it took us to do it. We were absolutely starving. She didn't know really what to say. We were full to the brim. Not, you know, not Redizio, not Argentinian full to the brim, but we were quite full. And we decided to head back to the hostel or this homestay, sorry. And we got there and it's late in, it's late at night. Uh, we just, you know, just got back. And the lovely lady that was running the joint had basically made us empanadas, mussels empanadas, seafood empanadas. And apparently if you're offered food in, in, um, in Chile, apparently it's rude to reject it. We weren't sure we had room for it, but we both managed a couple of empanadas each. You know, thank the lady for doing it for us. I mean, they were delicious, but a shadow of a doubt. Uh, pretty much went up to uh, went up to bed, um, you know, put some stuff to sort out the, uh, the sunburn or windburn. And uh, yeah, I think we spent, <laughs> don't remember, I uh, just remember sleeping really well that evening. That was a, a solid day, but rescued, effectively rescued by a collectivo again. And that was Ancud. The other thing that we'd done uh, when we were on the island, we decided to head down to the uh, the unofficial island capital, uh, Castro. So we'd gone down to Castro, uh, quiet, quiet place, stayed there for a few days. And in those few days, we had a walk around the town. There's a couple of nice uh, vistas on top of hills. Uh, we basically took a bunch of collectivos to a bunch of random, you know, random places. Uh, one place is called, uh, I think it's called Quenchi or Kemchi, um, Dalcahue, um, Kinchao, and Quelin, and Quelion. Apologies for the pronunciation. But there was collectivos that we just took up and down just for the fun of it. 
you know, gives us something to do. It's relatively inexpensive and it's a good way to see the countryside. And we've, we've made a habit of this since and we didn't know this at the time, but also we uh, happen to be in, on the island for um, Chile's Independence Day. And I say we make a habit of this because this later happened to us in Valencia. Um, years later, when we were in Valencia for their Independence Day, um, you know, the Valencianos uh, Independence Day, incredible things, incredible things. But we'd also realised in, in Castro how lucky we were. Because the first thing we'd done when we got off the bus, when we got there, was to go to the, stay at the bus station and get tickets for the bus up to Santiago. There's one a day, it's about 18, 19 hours long. And we'd booked this five or six days in advance, but we were incredibly lucky because we literally picked up the last two seats on the bus. We're separated, but we, we picked up the last two seats on the bus. Without that luck, we probably might not have ever made Easter Island. Little things like that when they happen, you come to appreciate them when they happen. Completely unexpected, and we got away with one there, 100%. We absolutely got away with one there in, um, on the island. You know, more luck, better luck than judgment there with the bus. And that was Castro, that was Chiloé, that was, that was the island, Isla Grande de Chiloé. We'd had some great experiences, made some new friends. We saw a part of the world that many people probably never get to see. And it was absolutely brilliant. Loads of Jesuit, uh, you know, churches, just a, you know, yeah, difficult to describe it. Chiloé almost runs on its own, runs on its own clock. You know, imagine, I don't know, if you've been to Bavaria, for example, Munich, Augsburg, you know, Nuremberg, that sort of area, it's, it's very distinct. Um, you wouldn't necessarily call it German, you'd sort of call it Bavarian. And it's apparently the same here in Chiloé from people that we were speaking to and, and understanding that Chiloé, you know, beats its own drum as such. We also went out for food and we ended up uh, doing some English lessons for a couple of the waiters as well. As much as we love practicing the Spanish, we've got no issues with that. We realised a few times that it's more valuable for us to give a lesson in English than it is to try and learn Spanish. Not for being selfish, but realising that the value that the other person got out of us speaking English uh, was probably higher value than us speaking Spanish. So we kind of decided that, you know, if we're requested to speak in English, then we would. And, you know, just because that would help uh, the person that wanted to learn. We didn't use that as an excuse, so we learned a lot of other Spanish along the way as well. We'll leave the story there. And next, we end up in Santiago, albeit very briefly, and then head over to one of the most remotest places in the world where we will dive into the first of two episodes about Easter Island. Hasta luego.